Hey, this is Nicole Golden. Thank you so much for listening to our bonus material for Shattered. Um, That was a talk I gave a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully you got a chance to listen to that. Um, But this next section is a QA and a that we did um, at the end of the message that I gave to The Grove. Um, It's just basically a conversation that we had with a lot of the um, young adults there, and um, they were able to ask some questions and make some statements and just um, kind of add to um, the whole discussion. So I really hope you give it a listen. And if you have any questions that we didn't cover or any thoughts that you want to share, please reach out to us. If you're 18 to 30 year old, um, you can reach out to us at at CC the Grove. Um, and if you're not in that age group, no problem. Reach out to the church directly. We'd love to hear from you. God, I wanted to let you guys be able to talk a little bit, honestly. Um, I don't know if any of you will talk because <laughs> this is such a heavy thing. Justin, did you walk around and get some of the, I don't know if anyone did questions. I think I'll bring Bryant up here now, just especially for some of you who maybe are walking through a season with someone and maybe have some questions. Um, we did afterwards, some people did reach out to Bryant and um, I want to say this on behalf of, for those of you who maybe are walking through um, or walking with someone who is living with mental illness, um, it is very easy to beat yourselves up. You are not going to handle every situation correctly. Bryant um, lost his cool many times um, and said and did stuff. What did you do? Stop it. You did. Okay. And um, he did not always do the best things. Um, <laughs> we've got stories. Nope, no, no. This is great. I'll just keep it. So, um, do you have anything to say? So, um, and Alan's gone too, so they can't even mute me. Um, but I always knew he was with me and for me. And so you cannot beat yourselves up. You're not going to handle every situation correctly. And the person you're walking through in their hearts of hearts, they know that. Um, and they get that and they understand that. The best things that you can do is, um, dang it is <laughs> to tell yourself, I'm going to let him talk in a second, but to tell yourself that, that when this person is having an episode or uh, in the middle of a really dark season, that is not the person, that is their mental illness. And you almost have to separate the two and understand that the way the person is reacting and interacting with you is not them, and they hate that they're doing it. I hated the way I treated Brian. I, I'd get physical with him. I got physical with myself, and I hated it. But it's almost like you're having these out-of-body experiences. And so the best thing you can do is tell yourself, this is not the person. This is their illness. And then it's just to be very close physically um, and emotionally. Now, I want to say this. If you are in a situation with someone um, and you're in a dating relationship that has not gotten serious yet, you may need to consider um, whether or not this is really what the Lord has for you. Um, because this isn't just going to be your dating relationship. This is going to be the rest of your life. Sometimes Jesus completely heals people of their mental illness. A lot of times he doesn't. And so um, you've got to think that through. And you terminating the relationship is not you not being strong. In a lot of cases, it's you being wise, quite frankly. Um, Bryant and I were married when my crazy came out, so he was stuck. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, though. We threatened divorce constantly. Um, and people always say, don't use the D word. We used it almost every day. Um, and so We're not advocating that, just saying no, that's what happened. I'm just saying that's what happened. So if you've got to have boundaries, you've got to be wise. Um, but I think that all goes without saying. So 
I don't know if you want to share if we have questions. You want to take a sec? We'll take a second and just open for questions, I guess. You say yourself. Yeah. Well, the only thing I'd say is, um, like, as we've walked through this, I think there's just as much to be said for the person who's walking with someone that you kind of mentioned as it is the person who's walking through it. So, like, there's somebody in close proximity. It doesn't have to be a you know, somebody you're dating, it might be um, a, a friend, it may be somebody in your family, it may be a sibling that you're close to. And I mean, even in 2018, um, to the points that she was just making, like there's so much misunderstanding about this. I mean, you've seen things ramp up in culture over the last few years, but uh, there's still so much misunderstanding. And so depending on how you're wired, like I came from a family of origin that was really good, like really healthy, I, I, and I'm wired in such a way that I never struggled with anxiety or depression. I had no context for that whatsoever. Um, and so, like then, to the point where we go to counseling sometimes together, and I just have to make sure he's a normal operating person because I'm like, is there emotion? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, my do sister you used to say I was devoid of emotion, which is not true, but like I just. I wasn't wired in that way, and everybody's wired differently. And so I say all that to say, when we got into a relationship and, and stuff started hitting the fan, and I had no context for it, it was very, very difficult to the point of um, I didn't handle it well. I was very angry at certain points. I was like, and, and I think my posture was like, get your crap together. Like, what? why are you acting this way? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, literally that much harsh, harsher. And that wasn't all the time, but I feel like I would swing in and out of those emotions. And I say all that to say, I had no clue what that was. And I grew up in a church environment where, man, you you got something going on in your life that you haven't gotten right. And you need, you know, it's just, and so I just was so naive and so completely um, cut off to reality that it made it very hard for me to empathize. And so it was only walking through that experience to understand that these emotions are coming from a lot of different places. And a lot of them are things, it's not as easy as what she just said, you you can't pray it away, you can't whatever. And so if I would have known at the beginning, it would have helped a lot. It wasn't until the other side where as we began to learn, it helped me try to meet her where she was at a different level. But so I would just say to those of you that that know somebody who's walking through, maybe it's not a mental illness, but it's deep discouragement or anxiety or depression. If you really love them, I think we have the responsibility to learn about that um, for the sake of loving them through it because you really will maybe be the greatest source of healing in their life, along with a counselor. I mean, counselors can do a lot of things, but you need somebody who knows you at your worst that are there in those dark, dark moments and are willing to love you through that. And so the more that you can understand, the easier it is to try to love them through that. And so um, that's something I, I think if we wouldn't have walked through this, and I can honestly say this now, very grateful to God I would have never said that in the moment. Like she shared some of the story. There's things that we we still haven't shared that were really, really desperate. Like um, I like I don't know if we want to be married. Um, I don't know if we want to walk through this the rest of our life. Like it was really dark. But now I can look back and and really thank God for it because there's no way I would have understood any of these things. And I think had empathy for people I have empathy for now that I would have never. I would have dismissed them. Um, if this was eight years ago, and I would have just said, you know, in a loving way, and I would have disguised it, but get your crap together, so. And we did a lot of research, like, he came to a number of counseling appointments with me where Kevin would 
um, work with us both and work with him specifically on what to do if I had an episode or if I was breaking down. Um, and then we watched, um, there's actually a couple athletes that have been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and have done um, football lives, which is funny, but we'd watch those, you know, you'd watch movies, there's different things just to educate ourselves and so that he could understand kind of where I'm coming from and, and better be able to work with me. So question. Yeah, I was going to say, if you guys have questions, we have the papers. If you want to fold it up, then we'll take it. If, you, if you're comfortable asking in front of everybody, that's great. Uh, if you'd like to fold it up, I'll, I'll come around and grab them. And we'll ask uh, to give everyone a chance even to write out a question if you have one. I was gonna, uh, first question I thought is, could you kind of give us an idea of what led you to Kevin's offices in particular to give us an idea of, like, why is he different? And if, if we want help, like, what do we need to look for that is that you found there? Okay. Yeah. Well, I share a little bit on Sunday um, how I got to him. The couple that we were meeting with gave me his CDs because um, at this point, I think they had us, they were having me listen to Love and Respect by whoever wrote those because they thought we were having marriage issues, which we were, but it was deeper than that. So I was listening to those and then she gave me these CDs that Kevin had done at their church over at Heritage Baptist and um, I was painting my house. We just bought a house and I just, was connecting with what he was sharing in ways I had never connected with anyone before. And so um, it got to a point with, where the, with, with meeting with this couple, I was like, nothing was getting better. And I was like, okay, this is not working. And I, I was just so desperate at that time. Um, I was teaching and I see two of my former students here, which makes me almost want to cry. But um, I was like threatening to go into my boss and just tell him I needed to quit. I mean, it was bad. So I was just like, I'm just going to call this dude, Kevin, apparently he has a counseling office. That's awesome. So I, I honestly, I didn't do a whole lot of research. I was just desperate at that point, And I got in there. I think since we've been there, we have done research and I've talked a lot with Kevin. Um, and so we get questions a lot from people, like, what should we look for in a counselor? And I always say a licensed mental health counselor um, because of the fact that they have studied the brain and the emotions, um, and they study how your bodies work, and they're able to listen, hearing, when you share your story, they're able to figure out, okay, what is happening as your, how did you relate to your story? How did you interact? What, are, what kind of survival mode are you in as a result of your story? Um, and so um, sometimes it'll just be, you know, you're walking through grief. Sometimes it's just you're walking through a period of sadness and sometimes it's you have mental illness. Um, and so, or you have an addiction or you have whatever. Um, and so that's one reason why we push a lot of people towards Kevin's office because everyone that works for him um, is licensed, um, has done um, study and um, has been uh, has gone through schooling and observation hours and all that stuff. And so, um, what I love about that office is they are all believers, but they won't. They're not necessarily like biblical counselors, if that makes sense. So you'll go in, and they're not going to slap verses on you. They're going to help you walk through your situation, but also point you to Christ, if that makes sense. And so, I don't know. Does that answer the question? Okay. Oh, fancy. Um, so, my question is more so because I also want to kind of share um, part of my experience. Um, but did you ever have any experience as far as Baker acting goes? As far as what did you say? Baker acting. Baker acting. I have not. I have had friends and family who have been. 
so talking about um, just licensed counsel counselors and stuff, I went to, I had depression um, throughout middle school and high school and stuff. And uh, so like I, I was in counseling and stuff and I, I definitely agree with the counseling aspect. Um, I was Baker acted once and that, those type of institutions depend, I mean, obviously each one is different, but they can be, they can make you feel even worse. Yeah. Um, cause I know for me, like the, the staff and stuff that were there didn't care about any of the people there. They let us kind of do whatever. I walked away from everybody and I started banging my head on like walls and stuff like that. I ended up in solitary confinement. Um, so like definitely as far as institutions go, um, I don't necessarily agree with those legalistic structures. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree with counseling, so. Yeah, and I what I would say to that is, first of all, I'm sorry, that's horrific for you. Um, but I think that's why um, it's so important to find a counselor that you trust. And I'm actually glad you bring this up because a couple of people had said that to me on Sundays they were leaving. It's like, I've tried counseling, but I've had really bad experiences. And um, some counselors like are wacko um, and awful. And I'm just going to say it, and they'll make you worse. <laughs> it just is what it is. Like, your testament to that, um, those situations. And so I think that's why I push, you know, that's why I think, honestly, I think that's why the Lord allowed us to go through this and to find Kevin, um, because um, I trust him. So, I mean, we've been walking deeply with him for nine years now. Um, we both have a cell phone number. Um, we can contact him whenever. Um, and I just trust him implicitly. We've also had several of our staff have seen different people at their um, facility. And so I think it's one of those things where with them, I really trust them. Because I have been asked that before. Like, if I go and I'm honest, am I going to get Baker acted? Am I going to get this? Am I going to get that? And these are guys that I trust. And, I mean, Kevin heard me say some wild things that probably other people would have Baker acted me for. And I probably should have been Baker acted. Um, but he did not. And so I think the difference is is knowing who you can trust and who you can't trust. And in a lot of cases, you don't know who you can trust. But in this case, thank the Lord, we have people we can trust. So I don't, does that? Yeah. Hello? Oh, okay. Hello. <laughs> um, I was in the military, and I was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Um, I realized um, how bad it was when I started having visions of my son dying. Um, me being someone who's gone through those things, um, you know, through war and whatnot, um, I definitely agree with a counselor. And my first counselor I saw through the VA was horrible. So I, def I had to, it took me a year to go back yeah. because of how bad it was, but I noticed myself getting worse and worse um, to the point where I, you know, I called my mother and telling her, I just, I'm ready to die. Yeah. And um, I started seeing a new one and uh, he's been a world of difference. But my question is, um, someone who, you know, you can relate, how can you talk to your family and friends in the sense of them not trying to fix you? Because sometimes I feel like my family's trying to fix me, you know, because there's been times where when I first got out of the military, um, struggling with no structure anymore, no job, no sense of uh, a rank, you know what I mean, per se, I would literally go crazy in the house yeah. to the point where it could be one dish in, this, in the sink and I would flip a handle. Um, how can I talk to my friends and family? Because, of course, they're not going to understand all the way, but in a sense of, hey, this is what you can do 
to help me, you know, because I know you're not understanding everything. Do you want to speak into that a little bit? Because you're you'd be the friends and family. Like what? I mean, I think for so when it came to him, even after I got a lot of my diagnoses and stuff, I I felt like he still struggled a lot of times to wrap his mind around it, um, and you know we'd have a lot of honest conversations like do you really have this? And if you really do, what are the ramifications of this? Are, I mean, I remember we had one conversation, are our children going to have it? And you started hearing statistics and stuff. And um, that, That's a tough one because, um, like, I think with those, I, I would say this. I think, number one, I don't think you need to explain yourself to everyone, but in the context of what you're asking, like people who are close to you, I think that's what matters most, is I do agree with trying to explain as best you can, like, Hey, here's what I'm walking through, and even here's the kind of help that I'm I'm getting. And I know, like, this may be difficult to understand, but just trying as best you can to like communicate that and communicate like, here's some of my triggers, here's some of the things that you can do to help me, like whatever that is. And but then also just, and this is the hard part is like, there's certain people that are just not gonna understand. Um, and I know even as like we started walking through this and my eyes were open to a lot of things. And again, I relate to those people because I was one of those people. So I, I get it. I get the misunderstanding. But as we walk in through, we would even have friends really close to us where we felt like we couldn't talk to them anymore. Um, and they would respond in really crazy ways. And, and I think some of it was in an effort to help. And we're like, that's not, that's not helping or helpful um, and sometimes condescending. And so... Uh, so sometimes there, like, there's certain relationships, like those that are close to you, this may not be an option, where you even have to um, draw some boundaries if that's not going to help your healing. And I think that's one thing that we struggle with a lot in the church. This is another whole talk we come back to probably in January. But like boundaries is a biblical thing. And like sometimes you need them for your own health. So to wrap all that up, I would say work to kind of go over it in a sense to try your best to communicate clearly to them and help them to understand. And, and hopefully those that really love you close to you are going to lean in, even if they don't fully understand it, to go, like, how can I help? But um, So that, that's what I would do, but I also just be prepared that some aren't going to understand. And just keep your sense of humor. Honestly, I still have family members and people in my life who go, how are you? You know, like every time around that, I'm like, I am fine. I'm not a whack job. I have my moments, but I, you know what I mean? And it's just... You know, so I, and I, I already, I know some people look at me, like, I'll share stuff on mental illness, and I'll come in on a Sunday, and, oh, honey, I just love you so much. Like, I'm like, just leave me alone. Like, it's fine, you know? So just keep your sense of humor as best you can with some things. Like, if you lose it over a dish in the sink, and your family doesn't know what to do about it, it's just, you know. You know what you went through. You know what you're healing. You know. And try to kind of anchor yourself to that and find the people closest to you, like the Isaiahs and others, that can walk through it with you. I, I just I want to piggyback on it because I think that's huge. Like what stays in the dark grows and attaches itself to shame. And what you take out, it loses its power and it, it breaks the power of shame. And like the people around you, like they won't have to tiptoe or ask or know when to lean in. And I think this has been a big part of Nicole's healing is just who cares? And like what you think about me doesn't really care, um, you know, and 
And it, there is something freeing and powerful about that where you're not, so many people, and especially in the church, and we just have to change this. This is a good group to start with. Like, you just have to stop doing that. Have to stop t- tiptoeing around. Like, uh, it was really bad this weekend. We yelled at each other. Um, things went bad. That actually didn't happen, but that's happened many times. Um, like, th- things went off the rails. I, like, I felt like crap. I didn't want to get out of bed. What, like, we just need to break the power of that stuff and, and sometimes just joke about it so everybody around you just knows it, nothing's off limits. So I don't know if that helps, but. That took me a long time to get to. Like, it took me a long time to, oh, this is on? My bad. It, it, it took me a long time personally to accept the labels, you know, especially like when people hear about military personnel who have PTSD and stuff, they automatically think, oh, this person's crazy. You know, you automatically look differently as, you know what I'm saying? And that's something I didn't want, you know? I was like, no, I don't want to be looked at as I'm crazy. Yeah, I think differently. Yes, I have different aspects. You know, and Isaiah can say, we go to a restaurant, I have to see the exit. Like, you better get off the seat because I have to see the exit because if not, I'm just not going to be comfortable the whole time. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something that it was a stigma in my own head when they told me, you have PTSD. I know you don't want to hear it, but this is what you have. And then, you know, of course, now I suffer, you know, because I have insomnia and sleep apnea. So it just kind of makes everything horrible. Um, but it was something for me, it took a long time to accept it, yeah. to accept, hey, I have this. I have these things. This is what I live with. Now, what do I do to get better from it? Yeah. Um, so definitely when like you said it earlier, like I have it. And that's something like for me, I'm, I'm at that point now, like, yes, this, this is me. Yep. And I'm okay to talk about it. I'm okay to be open about it and share it because my story could probably help somebody else. Exactly. That's it. That's it right there. <clears throat> yeah, I have what? Is it? Did it get louder? Or is that just me? You had it too close to your mouth. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's I just you, Isaiah, because you put the mic in your mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. So this is kind of like a two part question for the person that's outside of you know, of dealing with someone that has mental illness, whether it be a, you know, a friend, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Um, how do you know when to stay in it and when to get out it? And then secondly, after that is when you decide that, you know, I do need to get out. Like, does that mean, because I remember, you know, people like you said at your, you know, at their worst, you know, you want to love them through it, but when you, there's moments when you got to walk away, are you, you know, how is that loving them through it? Like, just kind of like the obstacles are just like, all right, if I do got to leave, how can I do it lovingly? You want me to take that? Um, I don't think loving um, is synonymous with a certain definition of that relationship. Um, so you can love somebody regardless of like what the label in the relationship is. So like if we're talking about a fiance or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, like the thing that I would say is in those relationships, in my mind, you are preparing for something. And if there is complete instability in terms of um, like just emotional health and all of that, then um, that's a, a good indicator because you're preparing for something in the future that like, whatever you call it, you need to hit pause, you need to, for the, for the mental health and wholeness of that other person. So like what I would say is like, we were already married. If this all would have gone down in our dating relationship, um, I guarantee you we would have gone, you know what, we need to kind of hit pause on where we're going just for the sake of mo- uh, uh, like emotional 
and mental wholeness and healthiness and figuring out what's going on because that's going to serve you well in the future. And so, like, I don't know if that's what your question is, but I think the thing is, um, though someone may not be completely healed, and hopefully this is, like, from that message, I know a lot of people got this, and even from tonight, is to know that, like, there is wholeness and health that can be experienced, even if God doesn't deliver you you know, all together. And, but if you are at that place where you still haven't figured out what's going on and where this is coming from, then, then you need to focus on that before you can move forward into your future. I'm not saying you put your whole life on pause, but in terms of those big things like relationships and stuff like that, that would always be like my, my wisdom to those individuals is like focus on that. And, fo- and sometimes when you're in a certain kind of relationship, it, it can detract from you really focusing on you getting to the place to get you healthy. I always think of like mental illness in terms of like wounds. Um, and if someone's got like a gushing wound, the best thing is not for there to be people all around. So you're bleeding all over it. Like that gets unsanitary. And so that person has to kind of be brought over and, you know, the doctors have to work with it and heal it and sew it up and let it, he- and it, it's always there you know, but at least it's not contaminating other people. And so I think there is a place where like, yeah, I still have my really bad days or, you know, really bad weeks or whatever, but I'm not in a place where I'm in constant crisis. And, um, and when it comes to relationships where you're dating or engaged, and if that person is in a constant crisis, um, you moving forward and entering into marriage is only going to make it worse. Marriage comes with its own set of crap. Um, even when you're healthy. And so, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really good though. But yes, I, it, uh, marriage is awesome. But um, I think it's just, you know, taking pause. And yes, because it, it too, uh, with a lot of my issues, I was projecting and throwing them on him. And so had we not had a counselor or someone who could really focus on me, I would have thought it was our relationship that was the issue when it was really me, if that makes sense. And it took us months to figure that out. Like we had all these different issues that we worked through thinking it's this or it's that and and all these techniques of how do we need to make our relationship better. And we had no idea we were dealing with all the wrong problems. I mean, we read every um, marriage book out there. And so there. like that that's every the thing that you got to get to the root of whatever's calling, causing the fruit to grow. And like it took us a while to to know that. But I just want to add this. I don't think that's a one-size-fits-all answer either. So I don't know. That's where walking in community is helpful. That's you got to walk and, in but community. But I'm going to add this. But if you're in marriage, God's called you to that. Like, And uh, the thing that I would say is, if you're walking with somebody else, God has a purpose for you. Like One of the things in me that like marriage does expose you, I had some passive-aggressive anger issues that I did not realize Um, And it took this to clean out some stuff in my own life that I wouldn't have dealt with. So the bottom line is God is going to use any pain for a platform, like to move you forward. And so you just have to embrace that. And that's, that's easy to say. I get that. But God wants to do something in you. Like God, this wasn't just like Nicole's thing. Like the thing that I sometimes fear on the other side is like telling the story, like Nicole had all this crap she needed to work out. I had all kind of crap that I needed to work out and God used this to move me to a place of, of health, and I didn't even realize I wasn't healthy, but I wasn't. So, are you amen in that? So we have uh, time for a few more questions. I want to read one of the questions that was written down, and I know there's a few questions over here. 
so this question is, how strong is the fear of having issues in mental health or mental illness show up in your children? If anything becomes apparent in your kids, what is your plan? Uh, okay, so we're going to try to answer questions really fast so we can get a few in. Uh, yeah, that um, scares the heck out of me and is a constant thing that I battle with. So um, this is funny, but when I first had Brooke, um, I would take her to counseling with me. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin like would observe her while I was there. Um, and then I started taking Ryder and then Kevin was like, okay, I'm getting distracted. Like we need to not bring the children and just focus on you. But now he has a good working order of both Brooke and Ryder plus Braxton's heart because he's the worst right now. But um, it was always something I struggled with. One of the things I talked to him about was, because um, I think a lot of this is generational will and hereditary, will it get passed to them? He said... Um, actually, statistics show that um, parents who are actively seeking treatment and help, um, their children are less likely to um, have the mental illness as the parent because of the fact that the, the parent is getting healthy and so will not be passing those traits. And, you know, kids watch. They interact and watch and pick up on what you're doing. But also, yeah, I, <clears throat> and as a matter of fact, bless Ryder's heart, He's four. We're probably getting him into counseling with Mike here, who works at Kevin's office specifically with children in the next couple of months, um, because he has outbursts that we don't really fully know. I I see them and recognize them as outbursts that you know I have felt and had, um, and it might just be a normal four-year-old boy. But I want to make sure that we're not you know scarring him for life. So um, I actually think it's really healthy because I think you know a lot of parents should be seeking help and seeking how to raise their kids and guidance with that but again it's stigmatized like you're sending your four-year-old to counseling like dang straight I'm sending him you know like I want him to be okay so it's something we are you know I think something we both had to work through but it does make you hypersensitive and I'm constantly asking Kevin questions he's a big part of our parenting council and, yeah, and I'll just say this in 30 seconds in the scripture it talks a lot about multi-generational stuff it uh, even psychologists would say it's almost one of the major factors is family of origin and so like I, I think we need to be less scared of multi-generational stuff realizing that through Christ we have the power to break yeah. those things and you have the chance to reset family of origin for those coming behind you Um, just to add on to that really quick, I am in the medical field, so yes, it kind of, um, I come from like a very, like, we have a lot of mental illness in our family, but my grandma has anxiety and depression, um, my aunt has anxiety, my mom has a lot of clinical issues, but she doesn't want to admit it, so she doesn't want to get help, and now I have anxiety and depression very bad, and so does my brother, so uh, yeah, uh, get help when you need it. Um, but this is kind of for like Brian back to the question of like how to explain it to your family. Like since you kind of finally kind of can comprehend it now, do you have like a what if moment? Like, like it finally like hit you like, Oh, I get it now. When uh, she like finally started explaining it. That's a good question. Um, like, is there like a, what if, uh, like, a, like not like just like it finally hit you. Like yeah. I get it now. I get what you're saying. Like kind of aha. Uh, yeah. I think, I don't know if there was one moment, but like things had gotten like so bad and I'd never experienced it. Like, and I think there's even some stuff in my family, but it was always like very quiet, but some stuff was so bad. I was like, this isn't normal. Like I finally got to a place where <laughs> like this isn't Calling us crazy. normal. Um, and so it, <laughs> it was just, no, you admit that. So I know, I'm admitting it. I'm 
to the point, like we told the story, like we're driving to get help and she's trying to throw herself out of the car. I'm like, yeah. that's not normal. So, and I'm not making light. We can laugh about it now, but it just was like, so I think it was all that stuff. And then even when she first got like the diagnosis, I still was like, oh, I don't know, you know, um, it's so crazy. But so, but it was shortly after that where like she started reading me all these things and I'm like, that's you. Like that is literally, and so I think that, actually I think that was the moment where I'm like, okay. this is legit. And, and that was the moment where it started helping me so much to know, here's what's going on, here's how I can help you. So I think that was the moment where, I, where he started to like articulate all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And he's such and a I black was, and white thinker too. Like I think they, like Kevin would give him specific things to do when I was having certain episodes mm -hmm. and he would do those and see me instantly start to come to almost. Mm -hmm. And I think that too for you, you're like, cause I think one of the big questions you ask anytime you see me going off the rails is what are you afraid of? And I, because that's what triggers a lot of my stuff, that there's some kind of fear. And I think yeah. e even his black and white mind started to be able to accept the fact that like, oh, like there or is abandonment. And so there's like, can be something going on. And like, I've gotten, I feel like I'm a little psychologist now uh, <laughs> where I can like connect this back Web and I feel MD kind of proud of myself. Answers. I start, well, here's what I think is going on. And you feel, a but like literally like over yeah. time. And I think that's a part of helping the people yeah. that you're in a relationship with. But yeah. Hey. Hey, um, hey. So I have been in a relationship that was emotionally abusive that, that was disguised as loving someone through their mental illness. And I've also been in a healthy relationship that I was actually loving someone through their mental illness. What would you say the line is between that to notice like which one you're doing? Like, no? Wait. Uh, <laughs> say it one more time. Okay. So what's the line between actually loving someone through their mental illness or being and emotionally abused and it just being disguised, like them, gotcha. them ha lashing out and them having their episodes, but it, it isn't really like, it's just emotional abuse. They, I don't. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm I, you. You. I no? think the biggest yes. thing, yeah, no. I'm with you. Okay, cool. I, I think there's two things. If you're walking through, if you're in relationship with someone who has a mental illness and you yourself need to be in some kind of counseling or community, um, you cannot not be <laughs> um, for the sake of yourself and that person. And so, um, because then you'll have people who are kind of surrounding you and watching you and letting you know if you're, you know, take, if you're becoming basically the, the, the emotional punching bag for that mm -hmm. person. Um, and then I, also, I, I always think of it in terms of trajectory, like, is this person, you know, when they la like, were they, was it a one-time thing or maybe a season thing, but they are actively seeking help mm -hmm. and they are actively healing or are they just constantly, you know, uh, being abusive towards you and then saying, I'm sorry, but never doing anything to heal or to make progress. And I think mm -hmm. if, if that's not happening, then yeah, that's, that's a dangerous situation and you need to hightail it out. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like what the boundaries book says because it like it always hits the points. But like, if you're carrying not only like this boulder on your shoulder, but someone else's knapsack on top of that, if you're like having this drag, like you feel like you're dragging this person along with you in this relationship, that's when I feel like that's when like that emotional, mental, physical, whatever abuse, like it's hit its breaking point. Yeah. Point. Yeah. So I have a few here. I'm gonna go through rapid fire for you. 
and we can open it up. We'll close in yeah. just a minute. But this is, and with anything, um, first I just want to say thank you, Brian and Nicole. You guys, your uh, honestly like extreme courage in sharing about this stuff is huge. I think uh, even as a friend, we've talked about this. As a friend, it's like, well, it's normal. Like this was Nicole. You talk about this, but like, you know, I don't get up on stage and talk about all my trash and all my past stuff. You know, um, so. Thank you for that. And if you have questions, like she, uh, Nicole talked about directing you to people, but also like, like they, are, they are accessible to you. Um, obviously, there are boundaries with that, but like they want to hang out and talk to you guys. So don't feel like even though we wrap up here in a minute, like you have to run out of here or they're going to run back to some hideaway area. Uh, so this is a few questions. I'm uh, going to go through real quick. What do you do in moments when you feel next to nothing, apathetic, and in general emotionless and burnt out? Um. What do I do? Um, gosh, what do I do? I think I, I think those those moments tend to sneak up on me. Um, so um, I think once I start realizing I'm in the middle of that, I immediately reach out to my counselor. I text Kevin. I'm like, I'm in a bad place right at the moment. Um, and then I have about two or three friends I reach out to. Um, his sister and I are, she's one of my best friends, and then um, Rachel Elam, and then my friend Trisha Straub, who lives in Lakeland, and I'll, I sometimes go into detail, sometimes I don't, but I'll just say something like, I'm in a bad place, I just need you to pray for me, and sometimes just the physical act of, like, getting it out there, I feel like starts to silence the enemy, and silence the voices, and just kind of is like, okay, it's out there, you're not just alone anymore in this fight, and, um, but I seek help right away. And I'll just, just real quick add, like, though it, it can't be solved with a verse, like, obviously at the heart, it is a spiritual issue in the sense of, like, the enemy wants to destroy. And one of the things he uses is mental illness and mental brokenness. And so, like, figuring out that component, too, whether it's, like, worship, right? Like, it's kind of everything. So you reach out, yeah. but there's also times where you figure out what are those things that kind of resets you, whether it's worship, whether it's, Yeah, I usually go know, for a run. Yeah, So if I've exactly. been out running a lot, um, you can almost guarantee, or I, I have a punching bag. I, I got into boxing, which has helped my anxiety and depression immensely. Um, but I'll usually put on worship music and then I'll go for a run or I'll do something physical um, because that resets my brain. Because your body's basically shutting down. It's sensing danger and it's shutting down. That's why you're kind of like, it's fight or flight. You're in the flight mode. And so you almost have to do something to re-trigger your brain. Like, no, I can keep living sort of a thing. So. Thank you. Another question here is, uh, how would you begin the discussion with a parent about a suspected mental health issue they could have? Um, Gosh. Leave an anonymous note um, um, on the No, I'll share, because um, my parents probably will listen to this podcast, and they have listened to, um, they both listened to my message, and um, from Sunday, and um, it was difficult for them to hear what I had to share, um, but they both struggle, and they've started being really open about it. Um, my dad pastors a church in New Hampshire, and um, we've got some extenuating things going on in our family that I can't get to, into on the microphone, but I could talk to you off the microphone, um, but um, just some extenuating things that they've had to walk through some really deep waters, and they've both um, struggle with anxiety and depression. Um, but they have just now admitted that I've seen that that's been something in their lives for probably the past, I've, I've seen it. It's been there for probably 30 years, but I've seen it the past 10 years. 
And initially, they had a lot of trouble accepting that I was even seeing a counselor. Um, they did not want to accept that. They had trouble with that. They'd mock it sometimes. And um, I'd say in the past year or two, um, they'll, my mom was actually like, can I pay you to go see Kevin for me? And um, so um, they've got, gotten it. But I, that's a really tricky thing. I think you let that be, um, honestly. It, it depends. I'll just add this one thing real yeah, quick. Yeah, go because ahead. Nicole has talked to her parents about this and even some multi-generational mental illness that, that they had never like really considered. And so I would just say this, I think it all depends on posture and like you earning even your parents' trust. And that still might end badly, but a lot of times people can like, they can sniff out, they have a BS meter of like, do you actually, are you approaching me because you care for me? Are you approaching me because this is leverage or you're angry about something? Or So I think your posture and approach to like, I really care for my parents. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Um, that, that determines everything. Still may end badly. But I think that's, you got to check your heart first. And there's got to be a lot of trust built. For Nicole, it was a lot of years. And then talking to her parents, building that trust going, man, I think there might be some issues here. Another question here for you. Thank you for that answer. It says, in situations where I feel there are arguments or stress, I feel like I just no longer have control and black out, yell, hit things, immediately shut down. I feel like I can't be reached. Is that mental illness? <laughs> um, I would, I, I would think so for sure. Yeah, because I, um, yeah, if you're blacking out or shutting down or getting physical, then I think that is that is something that you, you, those are reactions that you're having to triggers that are almost outside of your control. And I think you should see, I mean, I don't, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a licensed psychiatrist, but more than likely you are having a reaction to some trigger that you don't fully know what it is. And so you should get in to see what that trigger is. And then you need to be able to teach your body how not to respond that way. And there is hope for that. Um, I used to hit myself. I used to hit Bryant. I used to scream. I used to lose it. And I don't think I've had one of those episodes in years. And it was happening every other day, basically. So there is hope for that. So whoever that is in here, I want you to know, like, you don't need to be fearful of that. Um, the exciting thing is, is that you can heal from that and you don't have to live that way. And that's, that's what's amazing. Awesome. Hey, real quick. I just wanted to say, uh, personally, like, thank you, Bryant, for, uh, and Nicole, obviously, both of you, just I'm gonna for, say, excuse me, and, <laughs> but for, uh, for getting me into counseling and recommending me that I do that. And uh, Brian encourages all our staff to get into counseling at some point, but it's really like, uh, really begun my healing journey. And I go to see one of the counselors at uh, Kevin's office. Uh, his name's Jason, and I'll probably send this podcast to him. Thank him so much for everything that he's done listening uh, to me and helping me work through some of my issues. But I could not like be in the place where I am today, ha you know, happier and healthier than I've ever been. Though I still got a lot to work on if I didn't like take your advice and listen and actually try to get uh, something done and actually try to be better. So I just wanted to say thank you. Encourage everybody to really like listen to them, take their advice, and go and find and seek help. So. Thank you guys so much. We love you, Chris. <laughs> love you too. All right, we got time for one more question. Does anyone have one more question? If you do, you can speak now. Forever hold your peace. Back over here. Yeah. Oh boy, there's another Sorry, one. Nicole. I have three students in here. <laughs> yeah, three I'm students. number three. Hey guys. 
Um, so I know I've known you all growing up and everything, so you kind of know um, my family's background, but um, my family kind of endured a lot of trauma growing up and everything, so that was kind of like our um, connection to mental health that kind of arose in our family. Um, but it kind of led me to other things that um, I am now a social, work and a, subs uh, social worker and a substance abuse counselor. Um, so it's really cool because um, I know I'm not a speaker or anything for all counselors or anything like that, but I know hearing just even your point of view um, on Sunday and also um, just everybody's questions and everything and everybody's feedback, I think, just helps me be a better counselor for my clients. Um, just because I know my family deals with stuff personally, but also everybody handles things differently, whether it's um, starting out trauma or something biologically, like you said. So I just think it's super helpful that we're having this conversation in a church building. <laughs> I think that's been huge because obviously, you know, I come from a very conservative church background as well. Um, so it's been super helpful, I think, just for me um, as working with mental health and working with substance abuse to be able to hear all you guys' feedback and everything, so thanks. I just wanna add one more thing to guys specifically, and I, like maybe generationally it's different, and I'll be quick, but like, uh, like what we deal with with people in the church, and like you get issues all the time. Like I'm always amazed, but again, I understand it because I, I kind of grew up with this, but the number of, and this is everybody but dudes specifically that are so resistant to like, where there's marriages falling apart, there's addictions, and like, don't even consider counseling or talking to somebody. And uh, I, I don't know what that is, whether it's probably a pride thing, like that, I think that's part of it in me. But um, you kind of said it at the beginning, but it, like, what is your health worth? And so whatever it is, whether it's a relationship thing, addiction thing, you got a porn addiction, what like, um, it's just not worth it because whether you realize it or not, it is sabotaging so many areas of your life. And it really is true. Like the church does not do a good job of amplifying this. And it's not that we all walk around going, I'm broken and worthless. Like in Christ, we're redeemed and like we have unbelievable worth and we have a destiny and all of those things. But this stuff gets in the way of that and there's healing available. And like you just need to pursue that with everything that you've got. I think there's so many people staying in, in their own like self-constructed prisons because we won't take those big steps to get out. And usually those steps are things like counseling and for whatever reason, they scare the hell out of us. And by just not that that one step is going to heal everything, but dang it, if you're in a place right now where you're dealing with some stuff, just, just take that step. You can start right here. We gave you a couple names at the beginning, but take advantage of that. And if you're a dude, do not be like, have the courage to take that step. So that's just my little addition. Cool. Thanks guys so much. I really appreciate it. I think, I think this is also a thing just to, to emphasize like an explanation point with our gathering. Like we really talk about being a welcoming, accepting place for anybody struggling with anything. And one thing I can tell you just from my, uh, my experience here working on staff, and this is something that I love, and I, it's not like a little toot to our own horn type thing, but just reality is like we've walked through people, uh, walked through, not walked through people, that'd be bad. We've walked through some really like really bad, really dark stuff with people. And this is something that I love is uh, we have total uh, appropriate uh, confidentiality. Like we've been in meetings where I know everybody around the table knows about the situation that we're all individually like kind of working with someone through and we don't ever talk about it. 
even though we all know about it. Like, it's not up for us to talk about it. We talk with them about it. We're going to help them. We're going to love them through it. Um, so uh, everybody and anybody, like, they are welcome here, uh, no matter the hurt, no matter the pain, no matter the dysfunction, because we all got dysfunction. Uh, and I really, again, I, I appreciate Nicole's um Honestly, extreme courage to get up and share about this stuff and Bryant to be able to come and share with us. Uh, hopefully, it can give you some courage. Uh, and one thing before we go uh, is uh, what I'd say too is if you're struggling through stuff or if like all of us are struggling through stuff, uh, I would say that that doesn't disqualify you from serving in some way. And for a lot of you, uh, that could be a huge help in whatever it is you're working through is to begin to to give back. I know for myself, when I am selfish, it's easy to be down on myself because all the focus is on me. But when I can turn and look and try to help somebody else, uh, whether that's in our gathering, we have lots of space for people to serve in our gathering. We'd love for you to join one of our teams. One of the best ways to get connected is serve alongside of people. Uh, people in the table with you, right around the table, they probably serve somewhere, join somewhere with them. Um, but also, uh, even if it's outside our gathering, like like giving back to somebody, that could unleash something in you uh, that could help you no matter what uh, the struggle you're going through. Uh, focusing on others, like there's reasons why God talks to us about doing it. It's for our good. Uh, so we're really going to tell you, encourage you, if you want to do that with us, like we'd love for you to do it with us, but also uh, even outside our gathering, that'd be awesome for you to do something. Uh, so I'm going to pray. And then after, uh, you guys know if you've been before, uh, a bunch of us, if you want to come hang out with us, we're going to go up to Applebee's on 60. We're going to hang out. Uh, just have a good time talking. We can talk about this. Uh, we can talk about whatever. We can talk about football. We can talk about, I mean, I'll probably end up talking about football at some point because that's what I talk about most of the time. Uh, Patriots did lose. It's okay. No worry about that. Uh, we won more than we've lost so far. But uh, so uh, if you could, though, if you can stick around, if you got to scoot out, that's totally fine. But if you could stick around and help us reset stuff, we have Velocity, which is our student movement coming in tomorrow night. Uh, it's really simple. Uh, Dylan, Austin, Isaiah, Brittany, they know what to do uh, with tables and tablecloths and chairs and stuff. So if you can hang out, it will be super fast to do that. If not, uh, we don't love you as much, but we still love you. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Again, the second Tuesday of the month here at 730, uh, but also Thanksgiving morning, 9 a.m. up the street, Valrico Elementary, Turkey Bowl. Uh, follow us on CC The Grove on Instagram to get updates on stuff. Uh, so I'll pray, and then we can reset the room, all right? Jesus, thank you so much for restoring us. Uh, God, we know that we, uh, as we look at your word, God, we walked away from you, and we walked away from perfection into brokenness. And God, that's brokenness in every area of our lives. And while we recognize there are things, uh, honestly, God, within us, whether it's a physical, a mental, emotional, uh, God, like there are things that we might never find total healing from. Uh, God, we recognize that you can move us to a place of operating in a healthy way and you can use us. Uh, God, I thank you again for Bryant and Nicole and them sharing with us. And God, even the, the people in the room sharing about uh, their struggles, God, and, and where they found freedom. And God, opening up this, uh, God, in so many ways, like a Pandora's box about uh, just mental illness and mental health and how we can uh, just still love you and know you love us, even though, though it doesn't feel like it. God, I pray that we would um, be a, a group of people who are passionate about loving people. And that we'd slow down and listen and truly care for our brothers and sisters who are hurting and be there for them. I thank you so much for this time. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to all this bonus content. I'm so grateful. And if you do have any questions or if we can help you take your next step and help you find some healing in any way, we'd love to have you reach out to us. Um, Again, if you're 18 to 30, it's at CC The Grove. If not, please contact the church directly. But um, I'm really hoping and praying that Jesus uses this in your life um, to seek and get the healing and the help that you need so that you can have an incredible, abundant life that he promised us from the scriptures. So thanks again, and I hope you have an awesome day.